0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Creedle. I have something very different today. I've never done this before. It's a little bit fun, but also a serious exercise. We are going to be reviewing Super Bowl commercials. Okay, I'll talk about why in just a minute. But first, I hope you enjoyed the Super Bowl. It was, I think, a record crowd this year that watched it. My company, Halo, had a Super Bowl ad, which was really cool and fun to just be a part of. I wasn't in the Super Bowl commercial, but just fun to be involved in that process at any level. Um, so... You know, I was probably more more involved in or more sort of attuned to Super Bowl commercials this year than I have been in years past. In general, I don't watch many commercials. In fact, in our family, we have this rule that whenever we're watching anything on live television, as soon as the program cuts to commercials, we literally turn the TV off. Why? Because we just don't, we don't want to expose uh, ourselves, mostly our kids, to just advertising messaging. I mean, <laughs> all this stuff is almost definitionally designed to induce certain behavior, and I'm not interested in having corporations induce behavior in my family. So we shut off the television for ads. The Super Bowl, not even an exception to that. So we're watching the Super Bowl, You know, we watch the football, custom the commercials, we, we, we cut off the TV, we, we, we power down the TV. I figure if there are really good commercials, I can watch them later on YouTube, or nowadays even before the fact, and we can always show the kids later when we find a good one. So. You know, I didn't, I have not watched all the commercials for the Super Bowl this year. I've watched probably a dozen and I've selected five for today. So we'll review five commercials. Now, why are we doing this? I mean, this is a little bit fun for sure. I'll, I'll enjoy this episode, but also this is a serious exercise because I think advertisements are kind of a cultural barometer, or we might say a cultural thermometer. They tell us what a culture prioritizes and values. They, Give us some insight into at least what marketers think are a culture's or a society's various pain points and struggles and needs. So you might see, you know, if you were to look, for example, at you know a, a decade, a decade of Super Bowl commercials and compare it to this decade, uh, you would see some pretty significant differences um, in how they market and what they're marketing now. For example, a lot of commercials are for digital products and services. Fifteen years ago, that would never be the case, except for hardware things like the iPhone. So um, you can see how society has changed over time when you compare Super Bowl commercials over time. And when you look at any snapshot at any point in time, like, like this year, you'll see some of the things that we're talking about and we're thinking about and some of the things that the marketing firms, uh, the mad men of Madison Avenue, at least think, you know, will move the needle in a certain, in a certain way on a certain topic. Um, so we're going to look at a few of these. The first one is a commercial for a car. Um... Speaking of cars, my favorite Super Bowl commercial of all time, well, there's the 1984 Macintosh commercial that I was not alive for, but that one, as far as Super Bowl lore goes, is absolutely incredible. If you haven't seen it, I definitely recommend you watch it. The idea was, from the Apple side, how do we get people to watch this and think that something is coming, some new piece of hardware, some new technology is coming that will change the game forever? And so they staged this as if it was a bunch of people watching a... TV screen like they are in 1984 the George Orwell novel and then this person comes along and and uses this big um, uh, has a big hammer and twirls it around almost like a track star and lets the hammer go and it shatters the screen Um, and uh, the commercial is called 1984 and then I think it has the date for the launch and basically says like everything will be nothing will be the same or everything will be different something like that Um, really cool and it's basically like filmed in black and white so that's Pretty iconic, but my second favorite commercial after that, far more simple, uh, also involves a very well-known pop culture reference, and that is a Star Wars reference contained in a Volkswagen commercial. So several years ago, I don't remember the year. You can look this up. Look up Volkswagen Star Wars commercial, Super Bowl. There's a little, little kid uh, who's dressed up as Darth Vader, and he's walking around his house trying to make things move. He's trying to employ the force. So he's, he's walking around the things and putting his hands up, and he gets really discouraged because the force is not working. So he's trying to move his dog. He's trying to open doors, move the laundry, whatever. And then his dad comes home from work, driving in his new Volkswagen car. His dad comes in. The kid runs out. The dad thinks, oh, he's running to see me. And so the dad, you know, holds out his arms to give his son a hug. But instead, the son goes to the car and just tries to to start moving the car. So he's holding his hands up there. And he's trying um, trying to activate the force, use the force on the car. So the dad goes in, talks to the mom, but the car has a remote start, and uh, so the kid's out there, and he's trying, and he's trying, and then all of a sudden the car starts, and the kid is shocked, and he looks at his looks at his parents, and he looks back at the car, and he looks back at his parents, and he's absolutely shocked that the force finally worked, and is very endearing, um, very heartwarming. So that's my favorite Super Bowl commercial of all time, and yet, and yet, it did not get me to buy a Volkswagen. Still have not bought a Volkswagen. So, anyway, we'll use that to segue to another ad. This one is a vehicle as well. This is for Kia. Now, unlike the Volkswagen story. I am actually a Kia owner and I have, you know, it's a mixed bag. Kia are budget vehicles, but they, they are reliable. So, you know, it's, you know, not, not the most feature packed vehicle, at least our minivan, but it has been very reliable for us. So without further ado, here's a Kia ad. If you're listening to this, I will, I will kind of narrate it as we go. And then we'll talk about it. Here we go. So we have an ice skater, a young girl, maybe even, I don't know, 13, 14. She was performing in a big show. There's a packed ice arena. So she and her dad get back in the Kia. They're driving somewhere. She looks kind of sad. They're going up into the mountains, twisting mountain roads. They turn off. They've been driving for a while because it's getting darker. Now it's nighttime. They're pulling into someone's driveway. It's an old man's house. He's there with a full-time caretaker, maybe his wife. It's unclear. Dad strings up a bunch of lights and powers them with the car. Wow, amazing technology of the future is here. All right, so the, now the girl is performing on the pond in maybe her grandmother's or grandfather's yard. And the grandfather's inside, and he is indicating a score of 10 on the ice fogged window as he smiles at her longingly. Kia, movement that inspires. Movement that inspires, and in the tagline, the other tagline was electric like you've never seen. Okay. Interesting ad. Uh, it was. I mean, on one level, it was heartwarming. It was definitely not a terrible ad. I don't hate that ad. It's fine. It's heartwarming. I mean, there's the whole, um, there's the whole sort of like COVID inspired shut in thing. It's not clear to me at all why this grandfather could not go to the ice recital as it was. You might say, well, he's wheelchair bound. Well, sure, that's certainly the case. But all of its arenas have accessible seating, so he could have done that. Not clear to me why you know they couldn't they couldn't have gone and taken him there. Also not clear to me, he's watching from behind a window. Like he's, a, you know, he's in like a isolation unit or something like that. It struck me as a very post-COVID commercial. I think that's my biggest problem with it. It's, it's post-COVID because we have this idea that the sick cannot be among us. We must cordon off the sick. We must shut away the sick. We must separate ourselves from them entirely because in fact, the worst thing that can happen to us is that we also become sick. So we must, we must shut them off. Um, from us you know we can talk to them through a glass that's fine they can draw messages to us on the ice fogged window panes of their homes that's fine but we can't touch them we can't have them out and among us right now you might say i'm being harsh that's probably true uh probably true you could imagine any number of scenarios maybe this person like has an active respiratory infection and you know it's not good for him to be out in the cold maybe he because he has an active infection he is actively contagious and shedding virus and you know shouldn't be out People and I, that's that's very possible, very possible. All that. So I'm probably being too harsh, but it still struck me as a post-COVID commercial. That said, it was heartwarming to see the young girl show up for the grandfather and perform. Also, though, where's the mom? I mean, it's 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 such an annoying thing when we don't have like well-functioning, fully-functioning families in these commercials. They, you know, would it would it have killed IKEA to put a mom into the picture here? I mean, you know, it's great when families uh, are together. We like families that are together. Um. So anyway. Uh, the other thing, you know, the Kia powering the lights. It's interesting. I guess they wanted to showcase the Kia's impressive off road capabilities. And that's why they're on the twisting mountain roads and driving through snow and stuff. But then also the fact that you can power a bunch of outdoor Edison lights with the car. I mean, not the most practical scenario in the world. It's one of these commercials where they, they showcase, you know, what are the like, least likely scenarios for this thing? Like, how often are you going to do that with your car? Sure, you, could, you can imagine like a scenario where you're doing an outdoor picnic or something and you want to power the lights with the car, but how many people, you know, a percentage of people who own the Kia Telluride or the EV9, whatever that car was, how many of them are going to do that, right? It's, I can imagine maybe it's like 2%, probably lower, probably lower, but it's an attractive idea and so you make this you know, attractive, beautiful commercial and you get people compelled and you think, wow, Kia really cares about people and Kia made that heartwarming commercial and that was a cool color blue that that car was. and um, I would love to be able to power my Edison lights with my car. So yeah, I'll go, I'll go throw some cheddar down. I actually didn't even look up how much this car costs, but let's figure it out. The Kia EV9. the Kia EV9. Um, hmm, I actually don't see a price on this yet. Let's see. Oh, wait, here we go. Oh, starting at $56,395. That's a starting price for the Kia EV9. So for the low, low price of $56,395, you too, my friend, could power your outdoor Edison lights. Okay, that's Kia. Now let's go on and talk about the worst ad, the single worst ad that I have ever seen on television. It's the most tone-deaf piece of garbage that I can imagine an advertiser ever pulling together. I would love to know how much Microsoft spent on this commercial because they literally threw all that down the garbage. This, my friends, is the creme de la creme of bad commercials they say i will never open my own business it's like words overlaid on the screen or get my degree but bunch of bunch of people like walking around sitting on buses doing nothing looking at themselves in the mirror they say i will never make my movie as you sit in your pajamas on your bed or build something as you have your like hoodie strung around you they say i'm too old to learn something new as you stand in the middle of a road (laughs) as you listen to your headphones too young to change the world riding on a bus again sitting on the edge of a bed but i say Watch me. Watch me. And literally, we are now watching these people pull up Copilot, which is powered by Microsoft Chat GPT, and ask it to do everything for them. Quiz me in organic chemistry. (laughs) Design an icon for me, for my new business. Oh my goodness. So Microsoft actually thought, it was a good idea to comfort the world about AI not replacing you by showing you AI is going to replace you. And not only that, Microsoft wanted to put this edgy music to a commercial trying to be in the vein of sort of that 1984, like, you know, here's to the misfits, the rebels, etc., by saying these doubters, they all say, I'm not going to do these things. It's showing this montage of people. Again, they're doing nothing, sitting on the edge of their bed, looking at themselves in the mirror. All my doubters say I'm not gonna do it. All my haters say this. But watch me. Watch me pull up ChatGPT. I know Copilot isn't exactly Chat GPT, but it's powered by Chat GPT. Watch me pull up ChatGPT and literally outsource everything that they said I wouldn't do to that. They're not proving anyone wrong. They're literally not doing the things that the haters say they're not gonna do. This is this is the world that we have now. Microsoft thinks it's a good thing that we have a bunch of people who are aimless, who are doing nothing, who talk a big talk about all the things they want to do and who literally do nothing towards that dream or that goal or that objective. Microsoft thinks it's a good thing to just enable that with AI, to come in with their large language model, their co-pilot, and to say, look, we'll do all this for you. You want to write a book here? Just give chat GPT the prompt. The GPT will write the book for you. That's fine. You want to write a screenplay same thing you want to design a logo okay same thing yeah no problem we'll do that for you you think it's hard to write a book guess what it doesn't have to be hard anymore it, it, there's nothing that has to be that has to be hard for you right if you want to create something digitally we can do that for you no problem just give us the right prompt you might have to tweak the prompt a little bit might, might require a few iterations but that's it right so basically there's no glory in the struggle anymore right the struggle is just a struggle Right? Why would we struggle? Why would we want to do that? Now, now, from a Christian perspective, we know exactly why we'd want to struggle. I mean, you don't even have to be a Christian to recognize the value of struggle, to see that it's, it's better to live in a world that has struggle, that has conquered, than to live in a world that has no struggle or adversity or hardship whatsoever. But, and there are many concerns, and I've addressed some of these these before, many concerns with AI. There are the sort of existential risks. I think most of those are overblown. Some of them are probably ignored, especially the ones that pertain to narrow AI, and not, not artificial general intelligence. But that's not what any of this is about, right? This is just about the sort of the banal threat that AI poses. I've written about this at length as well. The, the fact that we as a society are collectively arriving at this point where we are comfortable outsourcing some of the most impactful, creative, you know, work towards beauty that we have, and we're willing to just say, yeah, just have the AI do that for me, right? We are, we're, we're reducing all of life to mere entertainment and hedonism, that is pleasure, rather than saying, you know, life is about the journey, right? This basically says life is about having fun and having ease. And the more we can do that, the more fun and the more ease we can have, the better we are. Now, fun and ease can be great things, right? Fun is amazing. Leisure is great. But it has to, you know, it, it only is good as a relative thing that appears alongside the struggle, the hard work, um, the, the difficulty. So this is the world that I hate. I, I don't think I've ever hated a world more than what Copilot just showed me because there's no struggle. There's nothing difficult about it. There's no reward. I mean, how satisfying is it to arrive at the end of that and realize I did nothing you know, have all these adulations. I'm sitting on this pile of cash from my book sales, whatever, and I literally just outsourced it to a computer. There's nothing There's nothing there. Okay. Speaking of this world in which I don't want to live, uh, here's an ad for a company called Temu. Now, if you haven't heard of Temu, they are the number one app in the app store, I think Android and iOS, um, although Halo beat them briefly for uh, a day and a half or two uh, last week uh, for Ash Wednesday. But um, they are the number one app store in the US. And if you if you uh, are roughly my age or in my sort of age bucket, you might remember growing up getting these catalogs from the Oriental Trading Company, probably a politically incorrect term to say now, but that's literally what it was called. Uh, and it was just a lot of like very cheap, mass-produced junk, much of which was produced in China. Um, Temu, to my mind, is like the Gen Z Oriental Trading Company. Um, here is the Temu ad. Enjoy. It's animated, so we're already right away in uncanny valley territory. We have prices cheap prices on everything in this room This horrible jingle All of my wishes came true Shop like a billionaire Do billionaires even shop? This is the worst jingle I've ever heard possibly Download the Temu app and shop like a billionaire. First, yeah, I mean, I, I said this already. Do billionaires shop? I don't think so. Um, they have people do the shopping for them, so that's the way to shop like a billionaire. You don't shop. Um, that jingle was legitimately horrible. I thought we were past the age of jingles, but apparently not. Temu has brought them back with a vengeance. Um, third, you know, all of my wishes come true. I mean, I guess in, in one sense, like I can't be too hard on Temu. This is basically like the standard sort of retail retail ad for decades, Right, Like, come to us, we have the best prices, we have the best things, we'll make you the happiest. At the same time, uh, Temu is trying to take over the world uh, of retail. They have, um, my sources say, uh, some. I heard this somewhere, that they spent $12 billion on their ad campaign around the Super Bowl. They had multiple Super Bowl ads, that was not the only one. Um, and they spent billions, with a B, uh, of dollars of advertising spend on Facebook uh, meta ads, so that's Instagram, Facebook, etc., Um, and so these guys are really serious and they have a massive advertising budget and they are trying to drive serious, serious volume, right? So one concern is this, that they're marketing themselves, obviously to Gen Z. They are obviously preying on Gen Z's wallets. There are many memes that talk about just the abysmal quality of Temu apps because a lot of them are knockoffs or they're just, just very bad, very bad quality. They're mostly manufactured in, uh, in East Asia and they're shipped here. Right, Shine S H E I N is another company very similar to this, and so those those are about enough that 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 we have this like very consumerist, materialist-driven philosophy behind these apps. Um, Who knows what kind of labor you know is going into the products on the backside of these? We never see, right? We just see our really low U.S. retail price and think, "Wow, it's amazing that I can get a throw rug for nineteen dollars. Amazing, let's do that." we don't see who's making the throw rug, you know, could be, for all we know, it could be, could be child, children, children in Thailand, you know. Um, So that's one bad aspect of this. There's a second, um, you know, not necessarily more devious, but, but equally concerning um, aspect. And that is that the ownership of these companies is far from clear. Um, But what is clear is that the ownership of of them, uh, this goes for TikTok, which is owned by ByteDance and CapCut, which is also owned by ByteDance, and also goes to Temu, which is owned by a Chinese holding company, and to Shine. These are, as of May 2023, these were four of the five top apps in the iPhone App Store, all owned by holding companies in China, which means, subject to the Chinese national security laws, that the data that is owned by these companies is all actually subject to CCP audits and CCP access, CCP being the Chinese Communist Party. So, this is a big problem. It is concerning, it should be very concerning to every single American that the most popular apps in the world, the apps that are on literally hundreds of millions of Americans' personal phone devices that are with them in every waking moment of their day and non-waking moment of their day, those apps are collecting giant troves of data that are going right to servers that physically reside in mainland China and are accessed by, or at least can be accessed by, officials of the Chinese Communist Party. This is a major national security threat that does not get enough attention. But if you're interested I'll include this in the show notes there is a, an article from May 2023 in the Washington Post that is asking hard questions about the ownership of these apps and pointing out in at least Temu's case that it really intentionally tries to obscure its origins and the holding company that owns it in China. It pretends to be an American company by saying it was founded in Boston um which apparently is true, but it was founded by a Chinese national and is owned by a Chinese holding company, so it is a Chinese company, despite the fact that the person who founded it was in physically in Boston, Massachusetts when he founded it. Okay, so that's the Timu Temu ad. I hate the ad. I hate the company. Uh, this is not good stuff. Do not buy from Timu. In fact, I would recommend personally uninstalling it from your phone entirely. Okay, two more. Here is one of the more oddly, one of the more controversial um, ads of the Super Bowl this year. Um, there's been a lot bandied about on social media about this ad you probably know what it is it's by the campaign he gets us which is a bit of a mystery as to who owns that and, and what they're trying to do with it but this is the he gets us ad washing feet so we have a bunch of images here in sequence set to this sort of like ballad style melodic piano and then Adele style sort of um, voiceover don't have to Lots of people washing other people's feet, and it tends to be, it tends to be, you know, these these scenes set up in like Norman Rockwell style photographs. There's a migrant with a baby. There's a Muslim woman whose foot is being washed by looks like a white woman, black woman washing a white woman's feet. Two older men with their feet in a bucket. A priest washing a and feet of a man on the beach. Jesus didn't teach hate. He washed feet. That doesn't, rhyme. that doesn't rhyme. He gets us. He gets, us. gets us.com slash love your neighbor. Okay. I mean, I saw a lot of a lot of ink spilled on the internet about this ad, and most people who I know who were writing about it and talking about it really hated it. Um, and I think the, if I could sort of distill, I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, so I won't name anyone by name, but if I, I think if I could distill the reason predominantly, uh, why this was a hated ad, actually maybe two reasons. One, the sort of AI generated nature of it, at least on first appearance. And I actually dug into this because the images do, if you're watching this on YouTube, you just saw the images do look kind of AI generated. Like the lighting is very strange. The posing is weird. It doesn't look natural. It looks just, it looks contrived. And so for that reason, the night of, when people were talking about this and you know, it's, uh, people are writing about the, the best and worst Super Bowl commercials, people are saying this is AI generated. And there's this photographer who actually took the photos. Her name is Julia Fullerton Batten. And she said, no, this is definitely not AI generated. And it hurts me that people would say this because we really spent a lot of time staging this and making it look exactly so, etc. which is fine. Uh, and I certainly recognize the technical difficulty of staging those photos because they're impressive in the sense that they leave an impression, but it's not necessarily a good one. I don't like the photos. I think they look they look like um, Dali, which is the image generator of ChatGPT, tried to, like, imitate Norman Rockwell in just, like, awkward, clumsy ways. And there's all this stuff um, recently, too, about um, Google's Google's uh, large language model called Gemini. It used to be Bard. Now it's Gemini doing image generation and and Gemini is basically (laughs) Gemini has been trained to generate very culturally diverse images. So I've seen, I've seen um, examples of this on the internet today uh, where people are saying like Gemini draw a revolutionary war soldier and it'll generate like four options. And one's like a native American and one is an African American and one is an Asian American. And clearly none of these are actually revolutionary war soldiers because uh, it's completely anachronistic. Right. And so this, the staging of these photos kind of looks like that because it looks so contrived. Um, and I think that's, that's, that's critique number one, that it's just sort of like an aesthetic disaster, maybe not disaster, but it's just sort of aesthetically meh. And that'd be certainly my critique. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. The second critique I think is that um, people are upset that he gets us seemed to in this ad, you know, hone in on these sort of like intersectional identities And and take on this woke banner and try to sort of co-op the message of the gospel for woke politics, because it seems like there's a there's, you know, at least one gay man in this. There's certainly immigrants. There's um, uh, there's there's people who look like there's there's one person who looks like he or she might be gender confused. And so there's these like personas that look like they're captured in this. And certainly that's true. I mean, that's just sort of factually undeniable um, that those personalities are represented in this. I don't really see it as a problem to show these people, these types of people having their feet washed. You know, I think Jesus would certainly not hesitate to wash the feet of anyone he came across. He came not to um, be served, but to serve. I tend to, to agree with Michael Knowles on this, that, you know, if, if one of these ads gets someone to pause, once and study a little bit more about Jesus and inquire more about the God-man who became incarnate to suffer for us and die and rise again, then that's a good thing. You know, is there a risk that people will see this and just sort of, um, I don't know, deconstruct their entire faith because they saw an ad called He Gets Us that showed people washing other people's feet? I doubt it. I don't really think that risk is there. I think the the opportunity is greater that people will see this and think like, Oh, let me read about Jesus and the gospel. Let me read about this foot washing narrative. And the word of God is living and powerful. And um, if people are engaging with the word of God, that's great. I do want to say that I do find it strange and a little bit puzzling that the he gets us campaign is so opaque about who's funding them and who they are and all of that. And I wish that they were a little bit more transparent about that. I think that everyone benefits when things are done in the light. And when you can stand behind your creative works, be they good or bad. Um, so I don't necessarily have a whole lot of trust for the organization because of the sort of opacity of their, their management and structure as far as I can tell. And so I wish that they were more forthcoming about that. But the ad, I mean, it was fine. Again, I thought it was like aesthetically kind of a mess. Um, and I thought it was, I, I guess I, d- I didn't say this, but I don't think it's bad. I don't find it objectionable kind of per se, but I do find it sort of uncreative and weak. And I think that you could do a much better Jesus ad um, in a much better way, that's more compelling and more thought provoking, and doesn't leave people thinking, "Oh, that was kind of dumb." Because the vast majority of responses I I saw tended to be that. That said, people are talking about it. Maybe that's all they wanted. Okay. Last ad. This one, as a father of young girls, um, I really appreciate it in some respects, but I, but I have some critiques as well, and I'll talk about it. It's about body image, and this is by Dove, uh, in collaboration with Nike. Uh, and you'll see some very prominent brand placements here. Uh, no surprise, here we go. So we have a montage of girls like playing sports and having, having wipeouts, you know, tackling the football, tripping in softball, crashing and um, falling off the bar in gymnastics. The knocks don't stop girls playing sports, low body confidence does with the Dove placement. 45% of girls quit sports by age 14. Together we can keep them in the game. Join the Body Confidence Sport Program Dove Self-Esteem Project. Let's hashtag keep her confident. Um, Okay, so I checked this out, the Dove Body Confidence Project. Um, And like I said, as a dad, I do really appreciate this, um, this thing. I think that our girls grow up in a society that places incredibly unrealistic demands on them and expects them to look a certain way and makes them feel miserable when they don't look a certain way. I also think that we have really normalized as a society the way that we talk about each other especially about women um, with the with the emphasis on appearance and that can be really corrosive um, to to a young girl to a to a grown grown woman for sure but also to a young girl so i appreciate this i appreciate that we're talking about it i appreciate that we're that we're um, trying to help girls have better self-esteem i think it goes the the problem is deeper though than what dove is is saying here right I mean, body confidence in sports, sure. Like, we should keep our girls playing sports, et cetera. But it's not just about playing sports. It's not just, like, as soon as we get them to keep playing sports, the issue goes away. The issue is much more pervasive than that. It goes to a whole array of family and social dynamics. It goes to uh, uh, sexual mores, etc. It's very, very widespread. This is pervasive. Um, and it's also endemic to human nature. So we could even have, you know, uh, much, much stronger families in America. Uh, we could have better education, and we would still have these problems because these problems are endemic to human nature um, and uh, and and part of our story for sure um, and the sin that dwells within us. But at the same time, Dove's, Dove's trying to put Band-Aids on here, right? So this is, first of all, also Dove trying to just capitalize on this campaign. I mean, this is what, what every, every company does. Dove wanted its logos very prominent there because people want you to think Dove really cares about your girls. Dove really cares about your girls buying their shampoo and skincare right? That's what Dove cares about. So let's not, let's not fall for this here, but the body confidence thing is real. Now, why do I say I doubt Dove's sincerity here? Well, I went on their website, um, to the body confidence project and I tried to find the information that they have and the kits that they have are really dumb. There's really very, very little, um, meat on the bones there as far as like resources and materials and education for girls and their parents. And um, I find them, I find the materials to just be lacking in general. Uh, there's not much there. I downloaded one of the um, workbooks for the project so that you could go through it. You know, you, you you go to these seminars and you have a you have a you have a workbook that you can work through as one of the attendees of these seminars. And it's just it's just pretty lame. It's just really about kind of policing your vocabulary and how you shouldn't talk about bodies. And if you don't talk about bodies, then um, that'll be better because you won't normalize body talk and body talk gets discouraging, et cetera. Um, and it just, I, it just felt so, um, the approach felt so much like a bandit approach. Like, let's just sort of tweak this and tweak that and tweak this. And then we, we will be great and we'll be confident in our bodies. And then you get to the end of the end of the workbook. And again, it's very light on content, the actual workbook, you know, but there's a whole second called listening to our bodies in sport, uh, which is a sort of strange turn of phrase. Um, but at the very end, you have resources, and there are resources on body image and body image and eating disorders, um, both of which are are very uh, are not talked about enough, and I'm glad that they have these disorders. Those links, by the way, are to the National nationaleatingdisorders.org website, and then you have um, other links to, uh, uh, to kidshealth.org, and then you have uh, body image books for young people, and there are three of them listed here. Uh, I didn't look all of them up, but one caught my eye. It's called "The Other F Word: A Celebration of the Fat and Fierce" by Angie Manfredi. Um, the other F word, and I looked this book up, and this book does, you know, celebrate um, celebrates fatness uh, in its words, being fat and fierce. Also celebrates LGBTQ plus personalities, etc. So now we see some of the like woke insertion here. Now on this this fat issue, I think this is also sort of symptomatic of the way we talk about this the way we talk about body image things is all about individual autonomy which is exactly why they say like you should not talk about bodies right don't talk about other people other people's bodies because they're other people's bodies that's the root of the issue as long as we treat as long as we don't sort of infringe on other people's autonomy we'll be okay and um and that issue that way of approaching the issue does not do enough to address the systemic issue of body image um In the same way, uh, it does not do anything to address the issue of what is health, because health then becomes a completely self-referential concept, which is why you have people who can be morbidly obese, right, and say like this is healthy for me. No, this is not healthy for you. Like you have very high blood pressure, you have high cholesterol, whatever your heart is overtaxed, whatever the case is, like that is not healthy objectively by anyone's definition, right? And even if you have a you know pre-existing health condition that's causing that for some reason doesn't make it healthy right it may be your reality and you've tried as much as you can to make that not your reality but it's not healthy right and so we need to change the way we talk about this because we can't have honest conversations then with our children especially our girls about what is healthy and what is not healthy if we just call everything healthy as long as you're okay with it right that's what happens when we have individual autonomy be the ultimate measuring stick by which you measure everything um yeah, C.S. Lewis had this list line, I don't remember the exact thing, but he basically said the, the measuring rod must be independent of the thing measured. You know, you can't measure human success by human success. That's, uh, that's incoherent to do. Um, so that's the problem with, with measuring everything by individual autonomy. That said, I do like this campaign in principle. Um, I do certainly hold a lot of skepticism toward Dove and question its motives for running this campaign. I do think they mostly just want your girls to buy their shampoo and skincare products. But I do think body image is a serious issue worthy of more discussion. Um, And I think that we should all not use these materials to to teach our children about it, but we should all have better conversations with our children about these. Okay, that is the end of the Super Bowl review episode. I hope you liked it. It's a pleasure to be back uh, with you soon. I'll be back with some more episodes in the coming days and weeks. And until next time, God bless you.